Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What's stressing him out, if I can use that term, is the fact that for the first time in his existence, he will be separated from the Father. Our sins will be poured out onto him, and the Father will turn his back to him. For the first time, in, and they have existed forever, perfect community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And for the first time in all of existence, there will be a separation. As Pastor James continues his teaching series through the Gospel of Mark, he'll be reminding you that Jesus thought of you personally when he was going to the cross. It's the love and kindness of God that draws man unto repentance. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to suffer and die for you while you were still a sinner. Don't allow the enemy to trick you into thinking that God is done loving you. Even when you fail, he lovingly guides you back to himself and purposes to mold you into his image. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 14 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you even know me, that you even know me. You will flat out reject me, Peter. You won't just run away from me, Peter. You will run away, and then you will have three opportunities to testify about me and your relationship with me. And all three of those times, you will deny even knowing me, even to go so far as to curse me, Peter. That's what he's telling him. Peter, you think that would resonate, right? Like if Jesus had a one-on-one with you, an eye-to-eye conversation with you, and gently rebukes you, I would hope, now I'm a lot like Peter, so this wouldn't work for me, I'm, I'm sure, but I would hope that when he says that, that something would click. But it doesn't for Peter. Because look at his next statement. No, an emphatic no. Absolutely not. You're wrong, Jesus. You're wrong. No. He declares emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. I will never leave you, and I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. I love that, this group of followers, right? These other, like, 10 disciples, they're like, yeah, 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 that's right. Us too, us too, right? And you're like, okay, you guys need to calm down, okay? Because number one, he's led you wrong plenty of times, right? Peter has gotten them into trouble many times in following Jesus in these three, three and a half years. Now they have courage, right? But Peter is like, I don't think so, Jesus. And not, not just once, but twice he tries to like correct Jesus, We know that there are other stories between Peter and Jesus, and I just love this dynamic. I love this relationship that they have where Peter is rebuking Jesus. He's not just, he's like correcting Jesus. And Jesus is like, Peter. And he loves Peter. That whole story, if you ever do like a a study on, on, on a person, 
do one on Peter. Uh, uh, obviously, it'd be a New Testament study, but do a, a personal study on the life of Peter. You will really appreciate it from start to finish. You will really appreciate it. I, I, I love this guy. Um, tremendous man, and 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 just uh, man. But he is he is so prideful and uh, just just out there. That's Peter. Um, just a rough fisherman, probably in his early 30s around this time. He was about the same age. We think that they were probably about all the same age around their 30s. So if you get these pictures of these old dudes as disciples, that's not true. That's probably not all that accurate, right? These are young men. And here's this young man who, you know, hasn't clicked in his head just yet that I don't know everything. And here's the creator who made you in one sense, telling you, no, no, you, this is what's going to happen in your life. And you're like, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I'm not buying that. Okay. And then they, on Mark's account, which Peter is there with Mark, they are writing this letter together. It just moves on. It just moves on. Jesus didn't like, you know, rebuke him again or, I mean, didn't get into it. It's just the story goes on. They're going to transition into the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, this is where, I mean, the night's already dark, but this is where it just gets really dark, really dark, really fast. Um, the only light you have is the moonlight and stars, okay? So again, I just want to help create this scene uh, just visually within your minds of understanding what's going on here. So you might think like Garden of Gethsemane, sun shining, birds are chirping and all like, no, it's dark. It's really dark. So we transition into the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 32, it says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. So he, he has his disciples sit down. He's like, You guys hang out here. I'm going to go and pray. But he's going to take his, his three main guys with him. Okay, within, out of the total 12, we know Judas isn't in the story, but out of the total amount of them, he designated three of them as really kind of leaders amongst the group. And he took, he took them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Now he's going to take them deeper into the garden. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. This is Jesus. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Luke expounds upon that because what, what was going on at this moment in time is um, this, this tremendous pressure has been placed on Jesus. He knows the cross is coming, but he's not worried about the cross. He's not afraid of the cross. He's not afraid of the crown of thorns. He's not afraid of them tearing the skin off of his back and exposing his muscles and tendons and all that stuff. He's not afraid of those things. That is not what he is fearful of. That is not what's stressing him out. What's stressing him out, if I can use that term, is the fact that for the first time in his existence, he will be separated from the Father. Our sins will be poured out onto him, and the Father will turn his back to him. For the first time, in, and they have existed forever, perfect community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And for the first time in all of existence, there would be a separation. That's what's troubling him. Oh, if I only live my Christian life like that. If I only live my Christian life like that. I'm afraid of the pain. 
I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of the stuff, right? And I don't have enough money to pay this bill this month or whatever. I'm afraid of all those things. But how my Christian life would be different if I was afraid of the separation. How the church would look different if we were afraid of the separation. Not that there will be any separation. You're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that at all. But if we could reprogram our brains to think that way. When we sin, it's, it's, it's us turning our back on him. Sin separates. Sin destroys. But I'm so preoccupied with worrying about this and that and all this other stuff. I don't worry about sin that much, and I think that's a problem in the church. Here Jesus is saying, I'm crushed. He's so stressed out. The, The capillaries underneath his skin are bursting, and he is sweating great drops of blood. Luke's gospel account tells us that. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He knew what he's talking about. He's like, he's covered. Jesus, your Savior, in the garden, is covered in blood. He's a bloody mess because of what was to come. And he's letting these three disciples know, he's like, I need you guys right now. I'm bringing you into the story a little bit deeper, a little bit further, because I want you with me. You, you need to understand that the Garden of Gethsemane was, was hell for Jesus. It was, that was his, I mean, he was going through this tremendous suffering. And I'm not saying he physically went there, not at that, but going through this point, this was like, this was that, sep- he was gearing up for that separation. You understand that hell, literally, actually, it does exist. It is a, an eternal separation between mankind and God forever. There's, there would never be a chance of going back at all. When we think of hell as like, we've, our, our world has done a really good job of cartooning, cartoonalizing, kind of, if that's even a word, I just made it up, um, making it a joke uh, that, you know, it's, it's little red guys with pitchforks and all this stuff. It, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. The, the, the worst part about hell is there's, there's a separation between you and God. And you sit there with the realization of like, yeah, he did die for me, but I rejected him. Forever. Here's Jesus, and he knows, yeah, the cross is coming. Yeah, the, I, he came to be the, this is part of the plan. He came to be the perfect sacrifice. But we need to understand, for the first moment, there will be a separation. And that has him distressed. It has him distressed. And I read that, and I think like, oh, man, if I just live my life like that. I just live my life like that. And I praise God for the grace of God and his mercy that are new, it's new every morning. And if I, walk, if, I, if I do fall away or whatever, then there's restoration and all that beautiful stuff. But it's also like, man, I just wish I, I, wish I just modeled this a little bit more in my life. It might change things. Now we get this little insight into his prayer. It says, uh, he goes on to say, stay here with me and keep watch with me, right? So he's just asking his disciples, just be with me. Just be with me. Stay with me. Stay with me in my time of trouble, okay? My time of distress. It says, he went on a little further and fell to the ground. So this little further in the Greek technically means a stone's throw. So 
what that means is in this dark garden, and there's, there's moon and there's the stars maybe and all that good stuff, but they're in this garden of Gethsemane, a place that they commonly went to. He was there with his disciples. Now him and the three went into the garden a little bit further, and then he just took a few steps this way so that as he's praying, these three are going to hear what he's praying. It's just a stone's throw. So they would be aware of what he's praying, the prayers that he's praying during his most difficult and challenging time. Went on a little further, fell to the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Verse 36, Abba, Papa. It's the most intimate, it's the most intimate address to a person. It's Aramaic, Abba, and it means Papa. Usually the first words you learn as a child that you're growing up, as you're growing up, Papa. It's so intimate. It's so intimate that a lot of the Jews, especially back then, wouldn't even use it towards God. They wouldn't dare use that towards God. But here's Jesus crying out to God Almighty, Papa, Papa. Ah, gosh, does that move your heart like that? That's the intimate relationship that they had. That's the intimate relationship that's been made available to you and to me. It's to call out to him as Papa, Abba. I mean, he's just distressed and he's, he's praying. This shows his humanity. He's 100% human. He's 100% God. And this is his humanity on display. Praying like I would pray in this moment. If there's any other way, if there's any other way, <clears throat> but there's no other way. And he knew that. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Everything is possible. He never doubted the Lord's ability to remove this cup or anything like that, but it was his will. You might find yourself in this position often as you walk with Jesus. Man, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, I can't go through this. I can't go through this. It's not possible. It's more than what I can, it's more than what I could take. It's more than what I can handle. Like, look at me, Lord. I'm just like, I'm breaking down. If there's any other way. And yet Jesus comes right around and says, but not my will. Your will be done. Full surrender, full trust, complete abandonment to the Father, his Papa. If you find yourself in this position, you keep praying that prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But I hope you come back around to where, I hope you close your prayer out like Jesus does. But not my will. Your will be done. There's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of hurt in this world. Car crash on Friday reminds us of that, the reality of that. We're surrounded by trauma. We are surrounded by trauma. We go through traumatic events at a record pace, I believe maybe even more so than any other generation in any time in history. And it probably is going to get worse. And we're searching for answers and solutions and other ways. If there's any other way, Lord, if there's any other way, and it's fine to pray those prayers, but I hope that we can come back to like, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In this story, Jesus is, I mean, he's God. He's God. He knows, that, he knows how the story is going to end. He knows the, 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 you know, the beginning from the end and all that good stuff. You and I do not. You and I do not know how it's going to end. 
But that's where that faith comes into play, that trust. Like, man, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't like this. But ultimately, I do trust you. So I pray for your will to be done in my life. He says, you know, take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 37, he returned and found the disciples asleep. <laughs> he found them asleep. The three guys, my three, my three strongest, my three leaders, like you're just right there. You heard them pray this prayer, right? But they're, they're exhausted. They're tired. But normally you stay up late on this night. Every other, you know, Passover meal, you're staying up late talking about God's redemption. It's literally happening right in front of you. And you fell asleep. The thing you stay up for every other Passover and talk about, you're seeing firsthand, and you fell asleep. Now, I want to give them grace because I know what it's like. Look, there were many Bible college classes where I fell asleep, okay? I will own that. There were many prayer meetings I've been a part of where I fell asleep. I get it. I've had many devotions in my life between me and Jesus, and I, next thing I know, I'm drooling all over the book and... I don't know what's going on. I fell asleep. I would show them grace. But man, you think in this, like in this moment, you're like, what's he saying? Should we go help him? He's on the ground. He's face first on the ground. He's covered in blood. Should we help him? They're just tired. And maybe the stress, because sometimes when your stress levels are too high, the only thing you want to do is sleep. And sometimes you have your body saying, please give me rest. Please. Maybe that's what's going on there. I don't, I don't really, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why they're sleeping. Um, I just know I can relate. I can relate. <clears throat> he says, couldn't you watch with me for one hour? So the idea there is that Jesus has been praying in that state for one hour. He said to Peter, note this. He doesn't call him Peter. He goes back to Simon. Simon, you were just bragging about how bad you are, about you'll never leave me. You'll never run away from me. You'll never deny me. And he goes back to Simon's original name. Not the name he gave him, but his original name. He says, Simon, and that alone would, would wake Simon up. Are you asleep? Are you asleep? That's a very like, that's that sword piercing the bones and the marrow straight to the intentions of the heart. To a man who is very prideful and arrogant and like, I'm the best thing ever, Jesus. You're, you're lucky you got me to serve at your church because I'm the best thing ever. Oh, well, why are you sleeping when I need you the most? Peter, I thought you were my guy in the garden. Like, dude, you're one of the three and... Yeah, all three fell asleep, but he singled out Peter. He singled out Peter. But again, we could think like, well, let's just jump on Peter. Let's gang up on Peter. There'll be a restoration to come. And I love that about the Lord, man. I love that about him. We could be just the biggest fools, and I have been. And he's like, don't worry. I'll meet with you in a few days. I'll show up in a few days. Those days in between, oh, gosh, that's torture. But he knows how to meet us in Galilee, so to speak. 
Can you, uh, are you asleep? Can you watch with me for even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit, this temptation, this testing, this time of testing, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And, and this is the Lord showing like this grace and compassion to these guys of like, yeah, there's this spirit thing, but it's still attached to this body that is fleshly. And that still wants its own way. Spirit's willing, but the body is weak. So the Lord knows. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. He himself was uh, tempted in ways that we are tempted, but yet he did not sin. The book of Hebrews tells us that. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through because he has been there himself. So that's why, again, another reason why you can trust him. You can trust him. To overcome temptation, you look to Jesus. You look to Jesus. Because there's nobody on this planet who has overcome temptation like he has. First and foremost, you go to him. First and foremost, you go to him. Verse 39, then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping where they couldn't keep their eyes open. You know what that's like. I've seen some of you on Sunday mornings, and you're like, I can't keep my eyes open. And I'm like, I know, I know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying, but I'm going to get a super soaker up here, right, and just <laughs> shoot you. No, I won't do that. That's bad. I was talking to a teacher earlier. You can't do this, but I had a teacher when I was in elementary school. Uh, when you'd start falling off, they'd take the eraser, because we had chalkboards still back then, and they would throw either bits of chalk at you or an eraser at you to wake you up. I don't think you can do that nowadays, but uh, anyways, I'll never do that to you guys. Don't worry. If you sleep, fine, sleep. Um, start snoring. Somebody's going to elbow you, though. That's how it works. Uh, but he found them sleeping again. They couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. Jesus busted them for sleeping again, and they're all like, uh, 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 uh. they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say. So here's the Lord to them. Have your rest. Oh, nope. Never mind. Never mind. Your time for rest is gone. Because he says, he goes on to say, but no, the time has come. The time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Because at this moment, Judas is walking in with the the temple guards, they're like the policemen, the San, you're connected with the Sanhedrin. They're Judas, because he knows the Garden of Gethsemane is where they would commonly hang out. So he already, he knew that that's where Jesus would be. And so he got all the guards and he got, and he's like, I'm going to lead you to him and you'll know which one he is, because this is what should uh, amaze us is the fact that none of these guys could really recognize Jesus. But, but Judas is like, it's going to be the guy that I give a kiss to. It's going to be the guy that I give a kiss to. That's, that's the one you want to get. So as Judas and the guards are entering into the Garden of Gethsemane at nighttime, Jesus is having this, this conversation with his disciples. And he says, oh, hold on. The sinners have arrived. The betrayal has happened. The betrayal has happened. Son is man betrayed into the hands of the sinners. What he says to them, verse 42, up. Let's be going. Look. My betrayer's here. And as he's saying that, he's probably pointing right to Judas as he's walking with the mob. He's like, my betrayer's here. Time's up, guys. Time's up. It's now. It's going to happen now. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken, broken.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me... Of you, babe.